0: Well, the verdict is in, and unfortunately for Alec Murdoch, he will not be joining OJ Simpson in the search for the real killer. No, the jury said, I think we found our guy. Yeah, it only took us about five minutes. They spent the next two and a half hours playing cards or something. But then they said, yeah, we got our real killer. It's Alex Murdoch. Well, Chris and I are going to unpack this amazing case in this week's debriefing of the law. And then just in case, I'm going to go ahead and go out golfing anyways. You never know what you might find. Welcome to this week's edition of Debriefing the Law. I am Joel Oster. I'm Chris Marone. And Chris, we have a lot to talk about with the Alec Murdoch trial. For starters, it's Alec Murdoch. I was just in South Carolina last week and they told me that's the proper enunciation. For some
1: reason, it's spelled A-L-E-X. It's pronounced Alec. It's a good old boy thing, right? Like, I bet you there was another Alex along the line of the Murdoch family. I didn't do their family tree. But hey. I bet there's another Murdoch named Alex. Maybe so that's where Alex.
0: things uh, started turning south for him. I don't know. Obviously, we're going to talk a lot about the Mur- the Alex uh, Murdoch a murder trial. The verdict just came down yesterday. A very speed verdict. But Chris, before mm-hmm. we get there, I got to get something off my chest because you know there is such a thing as fraudulent marketing practices. You, you know, truth in advertising is a real concept. Mm-hmm. When you go in commerce, you should be allowed to rely on signage, on marketing efforts by the um by the company and when you get burnt it kind of takes you off you, you know what yeah. i'm talking about
1: oh for sure for yeah. sure man. like
0: for example if you if, you, if a shirt is advertised 100 egyptian cotton and you find out it's only 20 percent egyptian cotton well your chaps are hide uh, or your however that works i have no (laughs) idea your hides are chaps is that how that goes
1: yes that's exactly what it means
0: well this is what happened this morning i went to walmart and i've been complaining for the longest time about the price of eggs Uh, Mm -hmm. and if you if you are the uh, price of eggs crazy out there okay it's absolutely insane so i go to walmart why i have no idea to buy my eggs these little little mm-hmm. tiny eggs but whatever and, and so i go to, to buy my 18 i always buy them in 18 because that's usually that's the best bang for your buck right right you get 18 eggs more than a dozen it's over six dollars per 18 yeah. eggs and it's been that way for a long time and i've just been yeah. complaining and belly aching about the price of eggs yep chris i looked around this morning and i looked immediately to the left to the dozen eggs do you know how much the dozen eggs a dozen eggs cost at walmart this morning Like eight bucks,
1: $2, $2, hold on. I got to text my wife. Hold on. Hold on a
0: sec. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Do you know how much, you know, so if you were to buy the two pack of 18 eggs, so 36 eggs, Do you know how much that costs?
1: Well, if they're what? $6 a piece for 18 eggs, you get 36 eggs. That's should be $12 plus tax and tip
0: $7. What's up with this 18 eggs? Are they like trying to dupe us? Because that's how the majority of it. So now I'm wondering how long have eggs been that cheap at the dozen level? And at the 36 level, it's just those chumps that buy them at 18 at a time that get screwed. I have no idea. But Chris, I want to file a lawsuit.
1: You should. You absolutely should. I think Walmart has the money since they don't pay cashiers or support staff or floor staff. I mean, they have the money there. I mean, I've been scanning my own groceries now for about three years and I still haven't got my 1099.
0: Oh my goodness. It's so bad now that when I go to Walmart and I'm not allowed to scan my own groceries, I am scared because that guy is slow. I mean, (laughs) I think Walmart intentionally does it. puts the slowest employee scanning your stuff to force you. Uh, But, you know, I went to Miami last year. I was doing a cruise and I went to Walmart and do you know what I noticed? What? There were no self-checkout lanes in Miami. Thought that was interesting. Uh, like no,
1: like lines, lines, or like no stations.
0: No stations. You cannot do self checkout there in Miami, uh, at the Walmart that I went to. Wow. Anyways. Yeah, I had no the, idea there still were WalMarts out there that did not do self
1: checkouts. The Walmart down the street from my house has three. I counted because I was there two days ago. Three uh, person operated checkouts where you could get a checker, and they had thirty one self checkouts. Wow. That, yeah, see, all their lanes, all their lanes have been converted to self-checkout. I can't wait. I'm just gonna set up a chair and I'm gonna broadcast live from Walmart around Christmas just to watch the pandemonium.
0: Yes. I don't even understand. Like at my Walmart I just went to this morning, there were like, I don't know, I'm just gonna guess here, eighteen uh I, aisles where you go through and someone would, would, would scan it for you. And I think one of them was open. I mean, why even bother with the pretense of having the other 17 stations? I've never seen the lights on where you actually can go to one of the other stations.
1: Two times. Two times a year, I can guarantee all the stations are open. That's the Friday after Thanksgiving, and that is Christmas Eve.
0: There you go. All right. Well, hey. Uh, I will get off that bandwagon here. And we also, I know you were just, uh, went to a minor league, or not a minor league, spring training. It is minor league. You live in Arizona, so you get that. You can watch probably all these people. I want to hear those stories in our uh, sports section here at the end of this podcast. But, Chris, we got to dig right in here to the Alex murdoch murder trial and we are recording this on a friday morning and just yesterday on thursday the Mm -hmm. um the i I listened to all of the closing statements i listened to the closing statement by the defense and i listened to the closing statement by or the the rebuttal by the prosecution and chris i was i i left that opening uh argument the closing arguments with this thought Mm -hmm. there's gonna be a hung jury here I was sure of it because uh, yeah. I listened to the, and we can dig into it here, but I listened to the def- the, the closing arguments by the defense. There's reasonable doubt here.
1: Mm, very much so.
0: And, and very, obviously, very we'll, we'll dig into this, but then where I'm going with this is, is then they went, the jury went to deliberate and they had a clock on, they had a stopwatch on. Yep. Good idea. Cause it's like a 42nd time. It was very quick, very, less yeah. than three hours. I forget the actual number. Maybe it's two hours and 47 minutes. I don't know. Something it like that. Yeah. Less than three. All of a sudden say, Hey, there is some commotion here at the court. And it's, it's here we, go. we have a verdict.
1: I'm like, what? We have, yeah. Less no, than make it, three hours. My wife and I were out to dinner last night Um, and my wife should be the person here. I know I told you this before that, but my wife has watched every Netflix special, every Discovery Plus special. She watches the trial in her office. She has a special monitor on her computer just set up. She brought her laptop in. Right. She's she is all in on this this trial. Um, and she got a ping on her phone that the verdict was in and like mid dinner, like whatever conversation we were I don't even know what we were talking about. Like it stopped and her phone came out and she was that annoying lady at the restaurant that's watching a TV show on her phone while the rest of us are trying to eat.
0: Now, right there, when they said the verdict is out, in my mind, mm-hmm. and I know in your mind, it, it was guilty. I mean, there's no other way. Oh, yeah. There's no, no it, way. So quick? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so, so quick. It was not,
0: yeah. Now, uh, I know an OJ is a quick verdict, but that was a different story. That In that right. case, the defense, it was pretty clear they were going to win that case, in the OJ case. Mm-hmm. But here, it was completely the opposite. I thought the best shot... That the the defense had was to create reasonable doubt, and, uh, and so I knew it was. There's no way you are going to get a not guilty verdict in less right. than three hours. So if it was that quick of a verdict, and Chris, we, before we get done with this podcast, we need to unpack why the speed. And I have a theory that I think is dead on. But yeah. let's, let's first of all, before we get there, let's actually talk about the case because I assume maybe. Some of our listeners haven't actually followed this case. Uh, yeah. I have found that the majority of people have followed this case very closely. <laughs> the but, majority of the country. So here's what's going on. You have the Murdoch family, which is a legendary law family there in, in Hampton County, South Carolina. And I right. just came from South Carolina last week, and I was just right there. And, and I was talking about this case with m- the people in my class. And, and one of them said, Joel, here's a problem with your ability to understand what's going on. You see, you are assuming that this trial is happening on planet Earth. It's, it's not. not. It's a different world out there. You have no idea until you go. This isn't even Mayberry. The, I, I Googled it, and I, it actually is on planet Earth. But uh, the, um, the population of ham- of the entire county... Do you want to just throw out a number? I'm, I'm just guess what the population of the entire county is.
1: Maybe fifty thousand.
0: Eighteen thousand.
1: Eight. Yeah. Small
0: that's... county here. Right.
1: And everyone knows Google, everyone. I'm looking at Google Maps right now in my other window, and I don't know where Hampton County is. So, for those at home, it's about an hour north of Savannah and an right? hour uh, west South of Charleston. Of, right. Yeah. Of Charleston. Right. And so it's in the middle of, like, nowhere, banjos, South Carolina.
0: They call it the Low Country. And I I think it makes sense because there's nothing there. I mean, you're right. Right. The the stretch of... of South Carolina you probably are familiar with would be Charleston there on the East coast. Right. Oh, then you, got, you got Savannah, Georgia, but then that's, that's Georgia But you go due right. north from Savannah. You're going to be in Charleston. Then You, you kind of go Northwest slightly through the state and you hit Columbia. Then you hit Greenville. That's right. where the population base is. You go South of that. Right. And apparently that's the low country, and so it's it's uh, according to the locals there. This is not planet Earth, so it's going to be hard for us no. to really kind of. I think it's important to understand it's not our neck of the woods. All right.
1: Well, and you got to understand small county um, lawyering, right? It, and this may be something that Joel and I are both familiar with, being that we've we've been lawyers for a bunch of years. But when you go to these small counties, there's one or two law firms that like rule. This entire county, right? They, yes. They, their, their founding families have been mayors and supervisors and solicitors and district attorneys, and they have two or three, maybe three at most, but two big firms, right? That, and by big, I mean like four, five, six attorney firms that have ran the city since the inception of the declaration.
0: Right, and so I think it went back to like 1908. I mean, oh, over a hundred like years, I believe. Yeah. That the great, great, great grandfather, Papa Murdoch, whatever his name was, uh, started right. this firm. Also, then became the town solicitor, which right. is basically the town's chief lawyer. And 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 since then, I think for like 90 years, the solicitor position was held by a Murdoch. Murdoch. And so yeah. this family. Controlled all prosecutions in the in that area right uh, and they they control the even the civil lawsuits when the, the city would be involved um they did control the legal landscape and, and you mentioned they were also the partners of the biggest law firm in that area and so what that means from a conflict stage is they they basically controlled over half of all litigation and pretty mm-hmm. much all the other firms represented the other side. That's just how it kind of works there in those small towns. I guess it's possible someone could have gone up North to Charleston to find a lawyer, but still that's also somewhat difficult to do. Um, so this, this, it's kind of hard for us to understand this small community dominated by this family for so many years. And Chris, because of that, some fraud happened, right? And there's a lot of
1: murder (laughs) multiple times before you get caught for it.
0: So this obviously murder this murder happened on June seventh, twenty twenty one. But let's back up because right. after they well this murder immediately before this, I believe it was in 2019, February 2019, so about a couple of years before then, you had a yeah. horrific accident on the boat and this was the subject of the netflix special i, I assume yep. your wife has seen it and let oh you know gosh. what was going on there yeah. uh if you have not seen this netflix special you cannot understand the alec murdoch murder trial without watching this netflix special it really, really drives good. it home
1: yeah it's really good so
0: you, you you've seen it
1: yes part okay. well parts of it while i'm doing chores
0: okay all right so yeah i'm not going to quiz you on it but the yeah. <laughs> when it comes to the boat accident this was horrific. We're talking about uh, his son, uh, Alec Murdoch's son, uh, Paul Murdoch, and yep. his girlfriend slash ex-girlfriend, um, Megan, I believe was her name. Yes. And and so they had a couple of their friends, Mallory was one of them, and some of the guy friends, and they went out to an oyster... Um, but I don't even know what you want to call it. Uh, some kind of oyster party. I think this is the cookout. annual thing. Yeah. Right. Where yeah. they, they boil all these oysters. I'm a huge fan of oysters. I, I love the char-grilled mm-hmm. oyster on the half shell. So they wanted to go there From for Drago's. I have no idea why I threw that in there. Dragos is not advertising. Walmart's not advertising on our site, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, and so, the, the, but how do they get there? Well, they, well, Paul Murdoch wanted to take a boat to this oyster uh, party. Now, yeah. why did he want to do that? Well, he knew to avoid the, the checkpoints, right? Yep. There could be a lot of drinking going on. So you don't want to be on the road right there. That's a bad idea. Why mm-hmm. would you go with someone on a boat when the sole purpose is you want to be doing it drunk? That's right. I, I, it's a sad thing because, you know, it's a tragedy. That's not a good idea from the outset. You do not go with someone if their purpose of going that direction or doing that thing is because they want to get drunk and avoid detection, and you're going to go on the high sea. It just makes no right. sense. It, it was a that's horrible.
1: Called, that's called premeditation in our world, Joel. But, right? Yes. The, the right? the acts are bad. Just if you if you flip it a little bit, right? If he was doing that, let's say in California, right? Let's say that he was going to go from San Francisco Bay to Oakland across the bay, and he wanted to do it on a boat. So that way, he would avoid police checkpoints coming back across the bay. If he kills somebody in a boating accident while under the influence, that's premeditation, that's murder yes. one. And so it's bad. It's very, very, very bad. Not the same in South Carolina, but just to put it into some context, that would be a factor of, of mens rea.
0: And so, Chris, here's another reason why you have to watch this Netflix special because they are actually this video. Of course, for now, everything you do out oh my in public gosh. is caught on everything. video. So there are street videos that showed, you know, basically Mallory's life just i think probably four minutes before she died and they're Mm -hmm. they're walking from the last bar i think it's called luther's back out to get back on the boat to go back and paul is just stammering around he can't even walk up straight he does weird things with his hands i mean he looked like a drunk and mallory was laughing and giggling and this was like the prime of her life and obviously she had no idea she only had four minutes left of her life but, so they, they then get on this boat, and apparently there was a struggle. The, the other guys wanted desperately to be the driver because they but knew yeah. that Paul was drunker than anything, and he was starting to act very erratic and, and go and spin motions there. And they they wanted, but he, w- he said, no, this is my effing boat. Get your hands off of it. It would not let them touch the steering wheel. He was the driver. Then, of course, right. we know he wrecked it. And uh, and what happened was Mallory then was thrown off, uh, yep. probably hit her head uh, on some object right there and then drowned because she was unconscious. A uh, horrible, yeah. horrible ending to that story. But here's the problem. Now, that's bad enough. The arrogance right. that, that Paul Murdoch had to, to drive drunk and kind of force his friends into that situation was bad enough. But right. then... The uh, uh, Alec Murdoch shows up at the hospital and then also his Uh, dad, who was also a highfalutin, former solicitor, highly respected lawyer, shows up at the hospital. Are there concerns for, hey, where's Mallory? How how is she doing? How's the search going? No, never even mentioned Mallory's name. He just wanted to go talk to the other you know, participants in the yeah. boat and tried to point the blame, saying Connor was driving. Let's all get our story straight. Connor was driving. From the get go, he was worried about his son's reputation, the lawsuit. Mm-hmm. And when you have that kind of power struggle and abuse of power, right. it turns the townspeople off.
1: Well, I I don't know. They it's hard because I got to assume that the Murdochs have ruled this small county with an iron fist for a hundred plus years. Yes. So maybe this is just like this murder. This this one murder, right? The the death of Mallory, this 19-year-old girl, the cover up that Alex trying to do for his son Paul is like a long train of abuses at this point, right? Paul had been, or not Paul, Alec had been stealing from clients. He had been, there's a couple other bodies attached to the Murdoch family in, yes. in years past. We can talk there's about a, those
0: a little bit later, but yeah, it's right. not the first murdered body. Right. dead body associated with a Murdoch family. That was very, very questionable.
1: Right. So I think this is like the straw, right? It's like the, the and I think this is what happens when you don't have consequences for your actions, Right. The Murdoch family has been running this small county for a hundred plus years. You know, and maybe Poppy Pappy Murdoch, you know, Hezekiah Murdoch that started the law firm back in nineteen oh eight was an upstanding gentleman and a and a great man. And it slowly has deteriorated down now to where Alec Murdoch thinks he can get away with embezzling almost ten million dollars from his law firm and killing five other people, plus a housekeeper, right. plus trying to cover up for his son's murder, plus the, the the son's best friend that people thought was a homosexual that just disappeared. Yes. right? Like I think I think the townsfolk have finally gotten to the point where it's like the Murdochs need to stop.
0: You you can't understand the speed of this verdict without right. understanding number one, it's a small community of less than eighteen thousand folks. And you had all of these murders, these deaths right. in very recent past. As the culmination of 100 years of this family ruling this town, again, you you can't understand. So I'm watching this case, and I'm seeing the speed of the verdict. I'm thinking, how can you get? I just listened to the closing argument. It was very compelling, and we're going to unpack why it was compelling in just a bit. But what I was missing was I hadn't lived in that community for the previous five years. And witnessed, because you know if you're in a town of 18,000 people and you have a boating accident like that, you know, it's, everybody it's gonna knows. be able talk. Everyone's talking about it. It's, everybody it's, knows. Your entire community is consumed with for eight, for right. seven days, because they did not find Mallory's body for seven days. Seven
1: days. Where is Mallory? Right. The whole town turns out, right? The whole, yes. the whole, it's 18,000 people. More people work at the university that I work at than live in that town, right? Yeah. So there's that. Um, when I grew up in a small town in Northern California, a little town called Biggs. There was 1,200 people that lived there growing up. One young man came down with cancer. He was 18 years old. He had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Like 30,000 people showed up to a fundraiser to help this kid pay, like help his parents pay for his cancer treatment. Like this is this is one of the few things I love about small communities. Right. When tragedy happens, they shore up ranks, and it's it happens to one of us. It happens to all of us. So let's get going.
0: So let's. Uh, you mentioned a couple other dead bodies that are associated with the mm-hmm. Alec Murdoch situation. Let's just cover a couple of them. One was their their beloved maid, Gloria Satterfield, and oh in 2018, God. she fell down the steps, the front steps of their house. There and um, knocked her head, apparently, and uh, and then died. Uh, I mean, they actually took her to the hospital. You can listen to the 911 call. But we don't know a lot of details about why she fell down the steps. There was another right. rancher on hand who was doing some handiwork there. And he said that, yeah, Paul Murlock was not I mean, um, uh, Alec Murlock was not there. He was gone. Yeah. We had to call him. He was not at the scene. In fact, he had just seen uh, the maid Gloria walk by him, and then just it was a few minutes later that you know um, Maggie said, "Hey, you gotta come over here. We have a, you know we have a, uh, Gloria's fallen." So it, it happened like that. And, and so here's the deal: Gloria is the one who originally found the opioids underneath the couch right. there. So she is the one who who discovered the drugs. Right. That, um, um, that, the, the husband, Alec, uh, the, yeah. the Alec had. So yeah. was there a little bit of a payback for her starting this nonsense? I don't know, because she also was beloved by the town or by, by the family, but it was a questionable death. And so you might, if it were just that case, that situation, you might just, you know, sweep it aside. But when you add it to the, the several other deaths that also happened surrounding this family, the one other thing that happened with Gloria's death is that she then, she she died from that that fall because uh, of uh, the head injuries. And mm-hmm. then Alec said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go ahead and, and have your estate sue, sue me. me because that way my insurance company will pay out. It happened on my steps. My insurance company is going to pay out. And I think at the end of the day, it paid out, I think, four and a half million dollars, something like that. Yeah. And yes. the problem is the family that he was representing, the estate of Gloria, do not know about the settlement. The first right. they heard about it was when they heard about it in the news. Like, whoa, hold on a second. There was a payout? How come yeah. we never got that payout?
1: Here's Alec- part of the problem too, right? Alec represented the estate that sued his insurance company. Like, two, ABA rules, conflicts, right? ABA, simple ethics rules, conflict. How are you going to sue an insurance company that's insuring you in your house but you're gonna sue on the estate of the woman that died in your like come on guys
0: i think there's an obvious conflict i mean right I'm, i know that's kind of tongue-in-cheek of course there is because right. if the amount if the lawsuit had been over four and a half million dollars well who would have paid that Right. It would have exactly. been Alex Murdoch, and yeah, so his family. So uh, clearly, there's a conflict there, uh, and right. there's no way that should have happened. But um, right. again, that's how, how this family rolled. They kind of controlled right. the legal Everything. scenarios, and that uh, is that a conflict that can be waived by the family? I guess if you had full consent, and they were allowed to get their own representation on this on the the conflicts waiver. But man, that just but reeks. That as that, an, that reeks. as an
1: insurance company, I would love for him to do that. Because the minute that – I and I would take it to trial, right? Because the minute that I lost, I would appeal it and be like, no, it's a conflict. Like, it's his policy. He's suing himself. This is almost double dipping.
0: And if we weren't clear enough, um, the the $4.5 million settlement that did come in, it went right right to the lawyer who, for some reason, did not pass it along to the clients. He kept that money for himself. Or Uh, his law
1: firm. He didn't even – like, the check was written right to him. Wow. From – so like his law firm didn't even know that he was getting that four million bucks
0: all right so we we'll go back to 2015 so we're not oh, we're not yeah. going back a long ways just a couple of years earlier 2015 a yep. body of Steven Smith was found in the middle of the road there in Hampton yep. County And, uh, and so it was kind of an odd thing. Why would a body be in the middle of the road? And the, Mm -hmm. the forensic evidence showed that he wasn't hit by a car. So what's going on here? He was hit somewhere else and drugged to the middle of the road. Well, it turns out that, um, when they read the police report, one name popped up and it was Buster, um, um, Murdoch Murdoch. And so whenever a Murdoch name shows up in a police report, you know, people are going to go, oh, what's going on right. here? Now the Murdoch family is involved. And so the rumor has it that there was a homosexual relationship between right. Buster and this Stephen Smith, and that would not have been well received by this Southern family. No. And, and so, again, we don't know a lot of the details here. Why? They shut the investigation up. Chris, yeah. the, the town here is seeing all this stuff. They are seeing the people who are dying. And the rumors started going around that people associated with the Murdoch family who are on the outs tend to disappear. Bad things happen. Again, you, you can't understand the speed of the verdict without understanding that's the mindset of the juror in this small community. All right, so let's get right to the the murders here in 2021. And it happened, um, you know, back there by the the dog pound on their uh, Moselle hunting property. Yep. Uh, And and so let's go right to the closing arguments to see why I... Did you watch the closing
1: arguments? I did. I was unfortunately in a meeting during that time. It made me sad.
0: All right, so let's just kind of unpack some of the things that the lawyer said during the closing argument. First of all, let's start with the prosecution. I... I I was uh, impressed by some of the lawyer tricks that both sides pulled. And what do I mean by lawyer tricks? Well, you know, how lawyers explain cases to the jury, I thought was very interesting. For example, the prosecution, you know, the prosecution carries the burden of of proof in in these kinds of cases. And so we've all heard they have to prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt. Well, what does that mean? And it doesn't mean beyond all doubt it just means beyond a reasonable doubt. It's right. somewhat of an amorphous concept. and it's, it's that way by design, you're putting this in the laps of the juries. They're the ones who should decide, you know what? Yep, this is beyond a reasonable doubt. This guy did it and prosecution proved his case. Well, here's how the prosecution described this reasonable doubt. So Chris, I'm, I'm curious to see what your thoughts were of this approach. He right. held up a picture of the Mona Lisa it wasn't the real thing, but it was a picture right, of the Mona Lisa. Right. He, he ripped off a little corner of this painting and he handed it to the jury. He says, Look, what the defense is going to do is they're going to be ripping off corners from this picture of Mona Lisa. But do you have any reasonable doubt that this is still a picture of the Mona Lisa? He goes, That is what's going on here. You still will right. know after the end of the day, after all the tricks by the defense, after they try to do their ripping of, of our case. You're gonna look at it and say, "Nope, I have no doubt that's a picture of the Mona Lisa." I, right. I, I kind of like that analogy. What do you I think?
1: Re- I really like that, mainly because you take something that's easy to understand and non-inflammatory, right? So you can't have the you can't have the defense objecting to it. There's no there's no way around it. So you take something very innocuous, like the picture of the Mona Lisa, which is a very famous photo, which you can readily assume, right, that everyone. Um, knows about it doesn't invoke any sort of outrage or any sort of feeling other than like oh that's the mona lisa we know what that is right and then being able to use that visual object lesson to prove to to explain to them how it works i think it's it's simple it's effective it's easy to follow i think it was an incredibly smart use of time
0: yeah. and it really does kind of highlight the fact that it's beyond a reasonable doubt not beyond all doubt no. and, and yeah. so if uh, yeah the, the defense might bring up some good points all right but still it, right. it's gonna be it's good it's, it's quite obvious right and then the prosecution did this trick when it comes to circumstantial evidence he goes look let's say a storm comes through your your town you know tree limbs are down uh you know, trees may be falling down there's water everywhere you didn't see the storm but you saw everything else and you you right. you conclude Clearly, there was a storm here. So, in other words, right. you don't actually have to see direct evidence; you can see the circumstantial evidence and conclude without a reasonable doubt a storm had passed. And so, I thought that was another good analogy that the prosecution used. All right, the defense used this analogy, which Chris I kind of liked. It was a sports analogy. So, the, on the defense, uh, yeah, on the defense side, they're saying, "Hey, look." The prosecution carries the burden of, of proof, and, and they have to prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt. So here's mm-hmm. how an easy way to understand that. I am a sports fan. You know all about instant replay. The call right. on the field cannot be overturned unless there's indisputable proof. Well, right. in this case, the call on the field is that Alec Murdoch... Is innocent of all charges, and so it can yes. only be overturned if there's clear, indisputable proof on the video replay. So that was an interesting way to explain the defense's uh, position mm-hmm. and strategy in this case.
1: I, you know, what I'm not, a, you know, I, I've I've done criminal defense. I'm I'm not, and because I don't know, like I wasn't there for voire so I don't know what what questions were asked. But sometimes I think sports analogies fall flat. Because not everybody's into the, into sports. Right. Right. Not, and, and not to say that, you know, you know, there's women on the jury, so therefore they're not into sports. No, they can, my sister is the greatest sports fan I know. Um, but for some people that may not have resonated as easily as, so point to the prosecution on that one, because I think their analogy was a lot better than that of the defense.
0: Now the, the defense also, I thought did a really good job of setting it. Cause I had not heard this before, of setting out the reasons why mm-hmm. we put this heavy heavy burden on the prosecution. Oh, yeah. And that and this is where after I watched the defense's closing statement I'm thinking okay, there's reasonable doubt there. And that is this. The prosecution really from the very beginning and once they get involved, they control the investigation. They, yep. they seal off the crime scene. They're the ones that run the test and, and right. you are beholden to the prosecution. When you try to figure out what is going on, since they control everything, it's only fair that they had to prove their case passes really high standard because the defense, they kind of have their hands tied and said so here in this case, right. from the very beginning that the, the police were called, they botched this case up and yes. Chris, they did they botched the pro the, the police botched mm-hmm. this investigation i i i don't do forensic work uh, on crime mm-hmm. scenes i would not have made the mistakes that they made for example one of the big issues in this case was there was a second shooter. There's a lot of, of reasons why there might have been a second shooter. Two guns right. were used here, right? And, and so mm-hmm. the speed of which the guns would have had been picked up to, and how there were multiple shots against one person, uh, right. like like Paul. It's a horrible story, but he didn't even die on the first shot. In fact, the prosecution said it was a one in a million chance he didn't die. So the murderer had to go up closer and shoot him again. Yep. If if Alec Murdoch is the murderer. How horrific must that have been for his son not to have died with the first shot, then see his dad straight up do it again. Chris, I, I my, my stomach is sick right now.
1: Right. Cause that's my dad. Right. And yes. from, from, from all outsets, that was a, a solid family. Right. Um, Except for all the bodies that follow him around. But well, you're right, when it
0: comes to the family,
1: the family, they were lovey dovey on each other. Right. It's like the Corleones, right? Like Sonny and Michael were great, great brothers. They loved each other and Tom Hagen, they loved each other. But man, they would murder some people. They had no problem killing people. But yeah, man. to have to have in in my head, because I, I think of the Murdoch family like like the Beverly Hillbilly Corleones. Like that's okay. like that's just how I pictured it in my head. <laughs> that's um, good. That's a good one. Right, and so you you think you're looking at you're looking at Papa, or you're looking at you know Tony Soprano, um, you know Redneck Tony Soprano over there, and um, he's staring down at his son and he's killing him. Like wow, so like
0: I I have a problem. There's there's two guns and the thought there is there might there probably was two shooters involved mm-hmm. here, especially if you're gonna take the defenses um, uh, side of the story. It's well, true if
1: you remember also, which we haven't really talked about, when Alex or Alec Murda faked his own death or tried to try to kill himself. He had an accomplice from his rehab days, yes, like try to help him kill himself. So it's not like Alec hasn't had this opportunity before where he's met with a group of people that have been willing to commit murder for him.
0: Right. Yeah. We, we, we can touch that. Man, it's just so many different so trails many different to the story, things. but because yeah. there was a possibility, in fact, the likely right. possibility, there was a second killer involved Why wasn't the crime scene secured? I mean, there were fingerprints were not taken uh, around the the feed feed ramp area. Uh, Foot impressions were not taken. There was the evidence they saw a lot of footprints there. It was not secure, so the cars came in, parked over where the footprints were were seen. You're not going to secure the crime scene, right? It started to rain,
1: and they put bed sheets over the bodies rather than like plastic, so that way any of the forensics could you know not be. But also. Also, we think from a position of, like, LACSI or, like, New York-style criminal investigators, this is a, a county of 18,000 people. I, I, I can't believe that they have a team of criminal investigators that somehow know how to deal with a double homicide.
0: But you're telling me they don't have the wherewithal to know, hey, let's get people off the the, the footprint area? I mean, All, we're, I mean, also, that's pretty basic here.
1: Also, we're on Murdoch property, right? Let's. Like, I mean, you have to get, again, into the, the level of ingrained – like, they're not kicking in the doors. They're not – I mean, these are people that have known the Murdoch family for 110 years. They're they going to treat these people with the absolute deference and assume – from the get go, that they're getting set up, no matter how many bodies are following him from the early to mid
0: 2010s. So, they did not get foot impressions, right. they did not get fingerprints, they did not collect DNA off of the victims' bodies. There, right?
1: And, and here's
0: the other thing the um, and this is a fascinating thing we learned in this trial. At least, I learned this your cell phones. They restore information that you have no idea they're storing. Yep. I mean, they basically knew every step they took. I'm thinking of some song a famous person said: "Every step you take, will I'll be watching right. you." That's what uh-huh. happened here. I mean, every step you. Oh yeah, um, uh, Alec Murdoch took 240 steps during this three minutes and 40 seconds time span, yeah. and Paul Murdoch took.
1: <laughs> apple watch tells me every every single step that, and by the way uh caveat the name of the band is the police which i feel is very apropos there you go all right
0: something like this every, every take. so yeah they, they because of these phones they knew every step they took during this time for so we we could pretty much figure out where exactly alec went. and also you know this either he if he did or he didn't do it but um if he, if he did know that why would he have his phone with him? Why, right. why would he carry his phone with him? He also from the very beginning said, look, there's no way that Maggie's phone and, and was on my possession as I was driving away because just check the OnStar." star. Uh, Go get my, my on-star data from GM or whatever. And it will show it's impossible that, you know, I would have been in the same. And he was so conclusive with that statement that he thought, well, okay, that's evidence. They're probably going to call GM, get this evidence. Uh, And and they didn't do, they, they actually, they did that, but GM never gave that information until midway through trial, which I have no idea why it took GM that long to find this evidence. That's somewhat suspect to me. Right.
1: When but did they send the subpoena? That's the question, too. Well, did the they, GM... just, Yeah, when did when did they send the subpoena to Deuces take them, which is a subpoena to supply records, right. right? When did they send that to GM? Did the prosecution drag their feet on that? Did the defense supply it early and have to jump through a bunch of hoops, right? Like, where did they go with this?
0: So here's another mess up that the police made. Um, your phone, even though it does store data, it also erases it after a while. And and apparently the the... Pinging of her location, that data, it ended up getting deleted because they they did not put her phone in a Faraday bag, which would have blocked either this phone from receiving signals. So it was constantly recording data after this, and so eventually it recorded over her pinging location on Jan- on june 7th ironically a horrible timing it only went back to june 10th and, and this would have been data that the the um alec have deleted it would have been the pinging data and, and so what why didn't they put this phone in a faraday bag to block this or did they know what it said and they did not want that information Again, that's why you make the prosecution prove its case beyond a shadow of a doubt because they're the ones that controlled running this phone through those kind of tests, putting it in the yeah. Faraday bag, protecting it. They messed up. That's information to me that, has, that says, well, if the police didn't record that data, uh, that's on them. There's reasonable doubt here. Uh, right? I, I understand this. So that's why in my mind, there was probably going to be a hung jury. I, I thought there was just too much information out there for it to be an acquittal, but I was right. thinking it was going to be a, a hung jury. Uh, and, um, all right. The other, tired, I, the other thought People I
1: the other thought I had tired. Go
0: ahead. Sorry. <laughs> There's so much to unpack here. The okay. motive. Chris, I have a hard time with the motive here. Right. The the motive of the prosecution was that this guy who appeared lovey-dovey with his family wanted to protect his family at all costs. I mean, for all these years, protected yeah. their families. Like, the, like you said, the Corleone analogy might be good in this regard that, right. hey, it's the family first. You don't go against right. the family. And they protected their own. And, and So you can go from that to saying, I want an extension of time to avoid these financial charges so I'm going to brutally murder my wife and kid?
1: Well, you know, the Paul's murder case was coming up for for the death of yes. of, of the girl in the Mallory in the boating accident. Um tinfoil hat conspiracy theory time. What if Paul was gonna roll over on dad? What if Paul was gonna say dad pushed Gloria down the stairs? Dad killed the the gay kid that was trying to get with Buster, that Buster was gay, right? What if what if Paul And and this is again conspiracy theory and I've watched way too many mom movies. Right, right, right. Like, what if Paul was Fredo in this analogy? And so Paul was gonna Paul was gonna, you know, he was gonna turn in the family and to save his own skin Right, take a lesser charge of being drunk and whatnot, but being told, Oh, my dad said I could do this, or my dad was gonna cover this up, or my dad's been embezzling for years, or my dad was like, think about it though. You got a twenty one-year-old kid that has never had punishments before in his entire life, is now facing a murder charge. He's gonna roll over faster than my dog for a hot dog, okay? Interesting. It It is it is gonna be and so Paul being the Tony Soprano, Vito Corleone sort of, you know, family. Like he's gonna He's gonna make sure that he's protect like the family's important, but I'm more important than the family.
0: See, I almost like that motive better than the motive they had, which was his his for the financial matters were all coming to right. a head here. His life is spiraling out of control. So why not take out my family so I could get right. a, cause a distraction? I mean if you're a lawyer, you know okay, that's gonna cause a distraction. Right. For about five minutes. I mean, that's about it. You're, it's gonna be right. sure a couple of weeks can go by and they're gonna put this on the, the back burner. They're not right. gonna forget about four and a half million dollars. In this case, right. I think a total of nine million dollars. They're not gonna just forget right. about that because of this, mm-hmm. this horrible situation. Plus, you know, as a lawyer, if your wife and your son are killed, they're gonna come looking for you. I mean, that's, that doesn't right. take a half a brain to to figure right. that. Yeah, you know what? If I do this murder, I might have avoided a little bit about bought it myself a little bit of time here, mm-hmm. but I then become front and center of a murder investigation where there's no credible alibi. So, the 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 motive there just really I, I had a hard time uh, grasping. But I, I so there's a lot of takeaways from the story. I know we're not there yet, but maybe one of the takeaways from this is that. I don't understand substance abuse. And and maybe that's one of the the lasting stories here is he was so caught up in opioids and drugs that when I'm trying to say, that's not the rational thought of anyone. Well, Mm -hmm. when you're on drugs, you're not thinking rationally.
1: Right. 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 And man, if you think you can get away with murder, right. If you planned it out so heavily that you think you could get away and the police are so inept that they are going to screw up this investigation in his head, he could have been thinking in his right mind, I could get away with murder. And then everybody will feel sorry for me. And then the financial stuff will go away.
0: All right. So now let's, Um. Uh, I want to draw some similarities here between this case and and the OJ Simpson case. Did you see, by the way, that OJ Simpson did a podcast on this? He goes, Hey, people come to me asking for my opinion. I don't know why they think I would be an expert on brutally murdering your wife. Yeah. OJ, we have no idea why people might think you have some insight as to doing that, but whatever. Uh, it was, it was a very enlightening, uh, podcast that OJ Simpson did, but, um, let's draw some similarities here because I, I, I I do a class on the OJ Simpson case and Alan Dershowitz said of that case, there was no way we were going to call OJ to the stand. And and here's why, because when you call the defendant to the stand, the only thing, the only thing the jury cares about is looking into the eyes of that defendant and saying, is this person lying to us? Did he do it or did he not do it? That becomes the center focus of the entire case. And Alan Dershowitz said in the OJ Simpson case, we didn't want that. We wanted the focus to be on the inept police investigation. We wanted to put yes. the police on trial because that's the way that's the only thing the jury is thinking. And so here in this case, when Alec Murdoch said, No, I'm gonna take the stand, it took the police off the hook. So, you know what? You did a shoddy investigation, we're no longer care concerned about that. We're gonna look right into your eyes and say. Are you telling us the truth? Well, let me quote to you, Chris, from the defense's lawyer in his closing statement. I I wrote this down because when he said I could not believe it, number one, for the bad grammar. But this is what the lawyer said. Alec Murdoch's own lawyer said this during closing argument yesterday. Why did he lie? Because that's what Alec do.
1: Yeah. I love that line. (laughs) I absolutely love that line. Because, man, it just... Fish get caught by the mouth, like that. It's one of my favorite things that a judge taught me early on in my legal career. Fish get caught by the mouth.
0: Interesting,
1: Alec. You should have never taken that. You weren't. You were not doing a self defense plea. You you whatever. Like I could I could courtroom quarterback this all day long, but I would never have put him on the stand because what was the focus of the stand? Not the murders. A ton of his financial crimes. The the mysterious Gloria death, the death of of Mallory, the death of Steve, like, it was not the death of Paul and his wife. It was all this other stuff that make you a giant piece of crap.
0: Yes. and So if and you've
1: done all this other stuff, and you're admitting to it, you're admitting he to he all this financial crimes, you admit to all this stuff, like...
0: It's and he was there. He was there all around the scene. Yep. Why? Why would you lie? And his his answer was, "Well, I was on drugs. That's why I lied." No, that does no. that not pass muster. You would not lie about it. you saw your son at the feet. Then you. Why would you not just say that? Why would right. you lie about that? And so, why did he lie? According to his defense lawyer, because that's what Alec do. All right. So, Chris, let's try to explain why the rushed verdict because they went um they went back and deliberated i forget what time it was sometime mid-afternoon yesterday on thursday and then by about seven o'clock again we got the ding saying hey the jury has a verdict it was less than three hours of deliberation uh chris i've had some fun trying to speculate what did the jury do during those three hours i almost think the jury said hey let's take a vote guilty 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 all right it's five minutes. There's no way we can return over for five minutes. Someone passed the, the, the plate of nachos here. They want to bring some rook cards. Let's play a game. <laughs> what did they do during those three hours? Because apparently they had their mind made up.
1: I, it, so I've talked to jurors after a jury trial um, uh, a few different times, and similar stories come back out. They go through and they talk about what the charges are. Right, He had four charges. Right, He had one count of murder for the wife, one count of possession of a firearm to commit a murder, and then the same thing with the son. So mirrored um, charges. So he had four total charges. So they go through each individual charge and talk about what the evidence was for and what the evidence was against, and then they take a vote. If you think about it, you have four charges, and they took 45 minutes per charge-ish, maybe 40 minutes per charge with some probably a couple breaks in there. I think they literally just walked through everything and everybody got a chance to vote and they were done. I mean, it's it's a super quick verdict for well, I mean not the quickest verdict I've seen, but it's a quick verdict for what was going on. I think they the jurors gave it the proper deference to at least go through all four charges and make a decision.
0: By the way, the judge afterwards when addressing the jury said, "Yeah. Kudos to yeah. you. You guys Great got job. it right." I mean, yes, he yeah. actually said he got it right. The evidence here is yeah. overwhelming. I didn't right. know judges did that after the trial. I said, yeah, you don't. Right. You know what? Here is the answer, and you got it. What well, you won your did, million bucks?
1: Right. They made the after the verdict motion, and they and this happens all the time, right? My wife and I were talking about this. Is there, My wife's like, well, why did the defense move for you know a directed verdict and to discard what the jury said? I'm like, they do that all the time. They it's have just to. that That's the hail mary, right? It's the you pres- hail mary well, you're play.
0: preserving your right to appeal on certain issues. You, you, right. you got to make those uh, motions.
1: But the judge absolutely killed it. And he's like, as we discussed through all these other motions, and I think the overwhelming amount of evidence that have shown, blah, blah, blah. And he just goes right through and he goes, the jury had enough time to deliberate. I, that's also part of it too, right? The jury took enough time to deliberate to where you can't come back on appeal and be like, no, nope, was, there was something wrong there. They came back too quickly. like. I
0: don't know about that. I think it's, yeah. con- it's conclusive in my mind that these jurors had their minds made up right before they started the trial i really do think that oh. alec murdoch really messed up here when he's did not yeah. try to somehow get this moved away from that county oh i don't course. think this is that's why you could finally dawned change venue. yeah you should have changed the venue he could not get a fair trial in this venue, the Murdoch right. name, all that has gone along with the, the mysterious mm-hmm. missing bodies in this community where they all know about it. There's no way right. these jurors did not know about that. And I have preconceived ideas of how dirty and rotten and, and conniving this family is. Right. And then when Alec Murdoch stood before them thinking, oh, they need to listen to me and know I'm not a monster. Dude, they already know you're a monster. You are not doing yourself any favors here. They know what you guys are about. They've been sick and tired of this stuff for the last 100-plus years. And recently, it resulted in Mallory. Just watch, Chris. I know you've seen it. Listeners, watch the video on Netflix. Look at Mallory. She is the most joyful, happy-go-lucky. She is the life of the party this town knew about Mallory and knew this family was responsible in the cover-up. It's just everything they did. First of all, it was the son that caused the murder. And then it was the, the dad and the grandfather that was trying to cover it up. It just stuck, And they were tired of this family. I think these jurors' minds were made up before the trial ever began. And then, of course, the evidence that came in, just like, yeah, of course. Yeah, he did it. Yeah. We don't even need to contemplate this. This guy is as guilty as sin.
1: And... As you were talking, uh, the judge just ruled that he will have two consecutive life sentences. There you go. So the ver- the sentencing just came out. I just got my my note my news, whatever alert. Two consecutive life sentences for the murder of his wife and son for Maggie and Paul.
0: Yeah, uh, which which some people have said, what is this case even about? Because right. because of the financial crimes he's right. already gonna spend the rest of his life in jail. He's 54 right. years of age, right? I mean, it's right. not like he's gonna yeah. live past his financial crimes, but right. um, now with, with this you know, two consecutive life sentences, that does not exactly. surprise me in the in the slightest. Mm-hmm. Um, now there's only one, person left here this family is it's buster as far mm-hmm. as his direct line uh i know he has uncles and cousins and things right, like right. that uh you, you do kind of wonder what his life look going to be like now for buster Murdoch. he just moved out of town uh he's not going to be liable for his his uh family's crimes if you if you will but right. he's also not getting any money from them uh right. and that's all going to be caught up in these lawsuits Maybe the property would go to him, but I don't know how that's no, going to look gonna out. No, that's
1: so. So the law firm covered all of his embezzlements for all of the financial crimes that he committed against individuals. Right? It was the state trooper that he took like two hundred fifty grand from. It was the four point five million to the the um, the housekeeper's kids and all the other stuff. So those victims have been compensated by the law firm, which okay. no longer bears the Murdoch name.
0: Right. Good call. Um, Um, That's Marketing 101.
1: Right, Marketing 101. But the law firm um, hasn't yet – or I haven't found it yet, so I don't want to say it hasn't – it's not in existence. They have a case against the Murdoch estate for that $9 million that the law firm had to pay out. Okay. Now, Buster's not on the hook for that because that's what his dad did. But that estate and all of the assets that the Murdochs have – the law firm can go after and get all those assets in fulfillment of that debt that they paid.
0: There you go. So Buster most likely will get nothing, uh, nothing from that. Now I do believe he is a lawyer. He went to law school, graduated from law school. Cause that's where another tragedy happened. Uh, it right. wasn't in a, I say tragedy. It was a tragedy, uh, not a right. murder, but he basically tried to choke his girlfriend. That's when the girlfriend yeah. realized I got to get out of this situation. That was Megan. Right. Um, So, yeah, what's going to be left of of, uh, Buster Murdoch? Well, I guess, you know, time will only tell. But wow, Chris, what a fascinating case. I don't know what the takeaways in this case. I'm thinking I'm going to do a class on this. Okay, that's takeaway number one. Um, I I think this actually is a story of, well, what would you think is the the prime main story here? I'm going to throw out substance abuse as one, but Mm -hmm. greed is another one. Because this family's desire to have things... Was yeah. so prevalent. Pride goeth before fall. I don't know. Chris no, pride's, pride, a, which...
1: b- pride's a big one, right? Uncheck like consequences, right? What What consequences did this family have over the past hundred years ruling the small town? It looks like none until this exact moment, right? Even the law firm covered all of his bills. Yes, right. Even even then, like, good on the law firm for making their client's whole that Murdoch stole from. Right. Good. Let's let's go. Good on them. But also, like, Murdoch is getting away with cheating people for $10 million. He's going to spend the rest of his life in prison. Granted, like, that sucks, and, and it's horrendous. But he's 62, right? My, my callous nature and my completely heartless ability wants to start a betting pool for how quick he commits suicide.
0: Wow. You because, are you, you wanted to put it right now saying that um uh, oh, he's Jeffrey, Jeffrey Epstein did not kill himself? No, hold on a second here. Maybe Jeffrey Epstein did kill himself.
1: Je- Alec Murdoch is going to, I mean, he, I, I, I've i seen inside of prisons, right? Scott, like look at Scott Peterson, right? He has to be in administrative segregation from everything. he I mean, he's only thriving because now he's like a star in the underworld of like murderers. But yeah. this guy, Alec Murdoch,
0: no. Well, let me be the one to, to take that bet. I think his ego is so great. He's not going to, to offer yeah, himself. I, I think this this murder for hire, when you want to hire someone to, to kill him, yeah. yeah, no. If he He's a lawyer. He could have read the insurance contract. He knows that he could have committed suicide, yeah. and his family would have still gotten his money. Um, but right. um, uh, he did not want to do that. But that, all right, so there's right. so much to unpack there from that story. This, this might not be the last of class or podcast we do on this one i'm definitely preparing a cle on this case because it is just ripe with so many different teaching points uh i kind of call this a story that just teaches itself uh but hey we have just a couple more minutes here so don't we transition to what we're not going to talk about we we can't talk about the supreme (laughs) court this week they had a huge case we'll probably unpack that next week we're going to talk about uh student loans if you were thinking you're going to get twenty thousand dollars back in your back pocket think again the supreme court is most likely going to say no but they they heard that case this last week mm-hmm. but chris let's talk quickly here about sports now, i know we're going to talk about the nba uh, we're going to pass on that one here as well we'll talk about that next week i know you got a, yeah. a decent player there locally i think kevin durant is now shooting hoops for you he is a mercenary for a hire and you guys hired yep. him so who knows you guys might now make it past the first round uh, right. but the um I want to hear a spring training story. What was spring training um, like?
1: Gosh, it's the best time of the year here in Arizona. Uh spring training started on February 27th. I have gone to four baseball games since February 27th. It is my absolute mental health reset is to be at a spring training baseball game with a cold hot dog and a flat soda and enjoying Triple A players trying to make it to the big leagues. Now I know I that's love different
0: I know that it's different in spring training than the regular season, but did you feel a, a change in the game because of the change yeah. of rules? So there the, oh my the... gosh,
1: yes, the pitch clock is now like the the inning clock. We shouldn't call it's the pitch clock essentially, okay. but you have 20 seconds in between pitches to get reset and ready to go. If the pitcher is not set, it's an automatic ball for the batter. If the batter is not set, it's an automatic strike. Um, and we, I've seen games now where they only go like two, two and a half hours, as opposed to the regular three, three and a half hours. And I figured out shaving off about five to six minutes per inning, um, which at right 49 innings, you're, you're adding 45 minutes back out of, or you're taking wow. 45 minutes out of the game. That is a great so, change then. Right. So now baseball, I mean, I, I was at a Cubs game on Wednesday and the game started at 1, and it was done by 3.30. And so could
0: you see how the the pitch clock started? So in other words, I'm thinking, let's just say the, the pitcher pitches the ball, they, they hit it a double, they throw mm-hmm. the ball, and then they, they throw it to the third baseman, and it goes into the, the stands. And so they got to recollect the ball. Uh, when does the clock start? Is it when they the umpire throws the ball back to the pitcher, and it's like a go? How does that work?
1: Essentially, it's when – yeah, so let's say let's say I hit a single out to right field, right? I hit the ball, I run to first base, I'm stepped there. When the ball is returned for the pitcher and the next... And so you have 30 seconds in between batters, just as a heads up. So you get to walk from the on-deck suite to the batter's box. You have 30 seconds to do that. But the pitch clock starts when the catcher returns the ball to the pitcher or one of the, the position players returns the ball to the pitcher and he starts facing the um, the batter again. Now...
0: Now is there is there a pitch clock somewhere where the yeah. pitcher can oh, easily they're, see? They're oh, now we're place. starting. Okay.
1: They're all over the place. From where we were sitting on the sat on the third baseline, we could see it next to the uh, visitor dugout. I have to assume there's one next to the home dugout. There's one that was in the stands um over center field where you could see like where it's like the pitch um, velocity. And then there's the pitch clock right by it. They're all over the place, and it, yeah, it didn't make the game less enjoyable. I was worried about it because I love being at a baseball park. I love doing it, but I really have enjoyed it because there's not a lot of jaw jacking. There's not a lot of batters like right. doing their wind up with the bat and they're holding the 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 ump. Um, I mean, they're still working on some issues, right? It takes longer to call the delay of game. And reset the pitch clock and award the striker the ball than it does to just have the pitch clock go again, right? So, and I think so. How does cascade, it work for the batter? So the batter has to be set, ready to swing, looking at the pitcher within 20 seconds.
0: So when does that start? Same time the, period? Or? Same time.
1: Every the, it's the same 20 second clock. Everybody's on the same clock, except again, when you walk up, you have 30 seconds. But let's between pitches, you don't get to like walk out of the batter's box like they used to do and grab the dirt and <laughs> rub it on themselves and you know, get it all going and then step and then pray and then step <laughs> back into the batter's box. Like they have to swing, they could step out, but they gotta step right back in. Twenty seconds goes by. Just wow. goes.
0: I'm fast. I like so. it because one of the reasons why I don't go to baseball games is it starts at let's just say seven o'clock. It's not getting done until ten, maybe mm-hmm. ten thirty. And then get I gotta out. face traffic, I get back home, it's midnight. Right. It's it's a long haul uh, for me right. to it's attend a five baseball hour commitment. game. Right,
1: it's a five, four or five hour commitment. Yeah.
0: So they can get they can get it done in two hours, and uh, mm-hmm. that that's uh, hey, I might go to more games this year. Hey Chris, right. I know you got to get going. thanks so much for uh, the, your your thoughts this week. And have a great week. And we'll see you next week. We'll see you, Joel. Complicity Marketing for our technical and computer support.